Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for episode 106, Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner. Winner, Winner, but the rest of you are losers. <laughs> Dude, I cannot tell you how many people I had email me and they're like, I didn't see who won. I didn't see who won. When are you guys going to announce it? Okay, so if you're listening to the podcast, back up, put this baby on pause. That's right. Go back and listen to Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner. It is 30 minutes of nonsense, but we do cyber stalk a dude, the winner. <laughs> and we get and him on uh, the phone. Like, that was the best. We'd given up. It sounds fake. It sounds like we, like, rehearsed this thing. And then right at the last moment, oh, here he is. Let's cut in this little interview. It wasn't, dude. We, I literally remember I said to you, I'm like, Let's just hang it up. Let's call it and yeah. move on. And then, boom, right then, we get the dude's number and we call him. Yeah, because the reality is, Pete, it's just good we didn't know each other in high school because we would have gotten <laughs> in so much trouble, man. I feel like I'm still in high school. What are you talking about? Well, definitely on this podcast, man, we are. That's we, right. We, we've been called, wait a second now, we've been called uh, the Beavis and Butthead of church planning. We've been called other things, too. What was the other one? Um, we've been called not saved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely not anointed. Although, uh, you have the anointing of, um, Dick Clark, just in case anyone wondered. I still don't get that. I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, it, Dick Clark and Ed McMahon, they're quite a team. And, uh, the day you led, you had the anointing of Dick Clark. I'm just saying. Oh, the day I led. Well, I don't get it. Why, why do you keep saying Dick Clark? What's the joke? What do I not get about this? You had to fill my shoes that day. Those are big, big shoes to fill. I mean, I only wear a size nine. I'm sure you wear, wear like a size eleven or something. But dude, we're still eleven. Big shoes I haven't been a size eleven since fifth grade. I got thirteens, baby, thirteens. Dude, you can go to Ross Dress for Less and get all the cool shoes. <laughs> dude, I've got some Clydesdale feet. These suckers are just because you know when you were in school. I don't know how it was with you because you were so short. But for all the dudes that I went to school with, they're always like, yeah, look, man, look how big my feet are. I can practically fill one of these tiles on the floor. Man. You know, I you, you talked about me being short. I can I can handle a lot of things, but my short man syndrome comes out, dude. You ever seen Time Bandits? That's like the best movie ever. Oh, I mean, you know, when I was junior high, probably. Dude, that movie for church planners, if you want to understand my brain, Go watch that film. I watch that film. I can literally sit through Time Bandits, and I can quote that thing if, almost verbatim, the entire you, film. If you really want to understand my brain, you have to go watch The Unknown Cyclist. <laughs> <laughs> 
where Pete makes a cameo for one-tenth of a second as a gay bicyclist. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if you want to understand Pete, that's the movie you got to go see. Oh, man, it's so great. Like, like being a short person and just Time Bandits, because you can watch Time Bandits, a bunch of midgets. The, the premise of the movie. Uh, little people. Let's be politically uh, correct sorry, on the show. Little people, you are correct. I, I'm sorry. I even posted, reposted the video of the, the, the little ninja who uh, does some Kung Fu and says, Peyton, did I get the job? He was, he was but, applying for a job with Church Planner. Because oh, we're, for those who haven't heard, like if you're a new listener to the show or even a listener who might have been with us a while but <laughs> missed out on those glorious first episodes, we plan to show up at church planning conferences in a Winnebago, wrapped, mind you, with the church planner logo, and we're going to have about 100 to 150 little people in ninja costumes rush out of the Winnebago and basically bombard the uh, conference. Yeah, we were going to have them run, like we were going to literally like get the Winnebago up on two wheels, peeling around the parking lot, because we were told like we couldn't host an inv- interviews at a particular church planning conference. <laughs> yes, we so were. So being Pete and I, this was our plan, was to, you know, get it up we on two wheels. We don't let people videotape at our conferences. Oh, and, and, okay. And then reach into the parking lot, and then with our giant thing wrapped, park right front and center. And then, boom, the doors pop open. Imagine this now. Church Planner Magazine all around. You know, 150. How many you can fit in a Winnebago? We don't know. But that's what we were going to find out. And they can't be kids. They have to be little people. They have to be little people. And for them to run out with foam swords and foam ninja stars and run into the crowd, just a sudden, like, just, you know, infestation of little ninjas with Church Planner Magazine emblazoned on their backs, and they're running through the crowd doing ninja kicks, flying kicks, you know, swinging foam swords into people, throwing ninja stars at people. It'd be great advertising. That's and, all I'm saying. And then we're going to have remote control helium field sharks floating <laughs> yes, around the auditorium until we get kicked we out. We had that at we a did. church planner conference. We did. And I kept hitting people in the head with it. It was awesome. And we had this thing flying around with church planner magazine. Everyone's going, <laughs> And uh, when I was speaking in one of the sessions, Pete was like, I'm going to totally float it. And then on accident, it got stuck on the ceiling. It wasn't on accident. uh, Your daughter. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you do it first, though? I might have done it accidentally. Yeah, I think I, like, forgot to turn it on. And then uh, Tyrone, the uh, the That's how he met him. That's how he got the job. I know. He rescued the shark off the ceiling. The the, uh, church planner... Formerly known as White Tyrone, because we we can no longer call him White Tyrone. That is true. Yeah. Yes. The the salesman formerly known as White Tyrone. Yeah. He gets mad when we call him White Tyrone. He does. So we fixed it. Or he fixed it. Got the balloon down. And uh, and then your daughter immediately said, and that was fun. Let it go again. Yeah. She didn't know. She knew. She knew what she was doing. Well, well, and and I'm going to say Tyrone obviously did not know my daughter because, yeah. (laughs) She wouldn't have given it to her. Yeah. So, so going back to Time Bandits, because welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. Oh, do we need to do our, our smack, smack Talk intro? Is that the one? Because I, I can never remember. The, 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 they're new. Okay. Let's introduce the topic first, right? Welcome to Church Planner. We're, we're learning how to do our own show. <laughs> oh, we're welcome 106 to, hours in. Uh, uh, welcome to Church Planner Magazine. Today's topic is reaching lost people. Wait, 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 wait. What are you talking about? Don't we have to well, do that, the sound effect for that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, then we do the sound effect when uh, we actually start the topic. Yeah, no, we all, we always say the topic first because we want people to know. Like, they might go, "Oh, I don't want to wade through like you know ten minutes of, well, that 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 was kind of us, wasn't it? Twenty minutes of smack talk." <laughs> yeah, we're only we're only seven and a half, eight minutes in now. Yeah, but we're still taking twenty more. Oh, of course. Of course, because I actually wanted to tell. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Tell everyone what the topic is going to be. So the topic is reaching lost people instead of transfer growth. I I, I don't do topics well. I mean, I'm sure there's a better, you know, okay, today's topic is transfer growth versus reaching lost people. Like that sounds more (laughs) official. All right. So before that, here's the sound effect for this part of our show. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast runs wild on you? And that, of course, is due to our good friend, uh, Barry, who loves WWE. 
Yes, not Barry Waters. It is Barry Walters. Barry. Barry Walters. You know, he, um, I don't know, you don't, you don't go to our church anymore. Way to go, church planner. I don't go to church. And uh, so he, he had a cameo in our church when it came up that he's leaving the States on like December 17th or something like that. So, of course, I, I didn't understand it, but I was the only one that was clapping when they said he was leaving on the 17th. <laughs> and he just kind of, he shoots this look at me like, what? I'm like, oh, sorry. I thought we were supposed to clap. Maybe you were leaving. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I wasn't there. I actually do go to church just so that people don't think, you know, I'm some weird, you know, like Frank, you know, what's a guy, uh, Rob Bell, like I dropped out of church or something. I, I just go to the ocean and meditate. Um, I actually go to church. I go to a church in Oceanside now. I'm a serial church planner, and I'm working with a team in North County, San Diego, one of the gateway cities to the New York, you know, I, I or to the United States. I just heard that San Diego is, uh, according to the Southern Baptists, they consider San Diego the second hardest city to reach outside of Boston. I did not know. Really, that. I would have thought like Seattle or Washington. I would Washington have, is but, not a city, uh, but you know, Seattle, Washington, Portland, uh, maybe Washington. something like that. Yeah, no, Washington's not that hard, apparently. You, you got uh, Mark Driscoll, you know, he just talks about Jesus going to come and kick your head in. And you better repent. Boom, they all get saved. It's like Jonah. He right? doesn't talk about it anymore. No, he oh, doesn't. Oh, sorry, is that too soon? Yeah, that was too soon. A little <laughs> bit mean, Pete. A little bit mean spirited. But, but actually, you hey, like what Mark I was Driscoll. Gonna, uh, what I was going to say is have you noticed how in San Diego, when you go to the beach, they got those signs, you know, warning of riptides and stuff. H have you seen those little yellow signs that are like right at the edge of the beach? Have no. you seen those? Oh, well, then never mind. I was just going to say, I've taken pictures of them when my wife and I stayed at the uh, Hotel Del Coronado. And I thought it was hilarious because as you're facing the water, they're in English. But on the other side, when you're coming in from the water, they're in Spanish. And I always found that funny. When you stayed in the Hotel Del Coronado, because that's that's haunted. Did you um, see the old lady ghost from the Haunting of Whaley House? Are you asking me this because I told you my story there? No, I don't know your story. I swear to you, I don't know your story. Here's, you I, story? I told this to you one time. Thanks for paying no, attention. I, yeah, no way. Yeah. All right. So here was my experience at the Hotel Del. Supposedly it's haunted. Can I make one up and tell it instead? Say that again? Can I make one up and tell it instead? No. no. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, my wife and I went there for an anniversary and, um, I knew, you know, there's this whole, oh, it's haunted kind of thing. Right. And I, you know, pretty much don't believe in ghosts except for the Holy ghost. And that never made any sense to me growing up. There's no such thing as ghosts. Yeah. There's no such thing as ghosts. But oh, you, except for the wait Holy a ghost. second. You're a Baptist. You barely believed in him. Well, as a Baptist, you always called him Holy ghost. It was never the yeah. Holy spirit. I'm like, yeah. come on guys. Why couldn't we use the term Holy spirit? I'm, I much prefer that term. Yeah, but um, he just yeah. wasn't allowed to do anything, right? No, that's why my parents really don't like me much now. <laughs> I'm uh, a complete Pete, a bad influence. You get more charismatic, Pete. No, actually, they love you. They're like, "Oh, we're so grateful that you and Peyton are friends." <laughs> I'm not I know. You know, that's pretty bad when I'm like the good influence on you. They're like, "Dude, you know, are I you tell kidding them, me, I'll... man? You're a serial church planner." They're like. Finally, someone's got a positive influence on Pete. And I, I just look at him and I say, actually, I'm trying to get him out of the church planning world into the business world. And then I remember I'm the devil talking again. to them at a seriously, I remember talking to them at a barbecue and it was kind of like the whole like, I'll look after him. Don't worry, I'll I'll talk to him. <laughs> that was the tone of the conversation. Oh my gosh. Great. I was loving every minute of it. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. So here's my here's my my story, right? So there's this whole hotel Dell is is haunted. And I, you know, I don't believe in hauntings per se. Um, I believe in demons, believe in angels, uh, ghosts. I'm not really believing in those. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Here's the deal. Um, I don't know if it was just something that was in my head because I went there thinking that, or if this actually happened, right? Cause it's one of those things. I don't know. I was sleeping uh, you know, in the bed one night, I don't remember if it was the first night or the second night. And I felt like someone was pushing on my chest and I could not breathe. And I just remember thinking, if I can just say the name Jesus, I'm home free. 
And the first time I just like said the name Jesus, but in my head, I didn't try and say it verbally. And I still felt like this pressure totally pushing in on my chest. And so then I the finally, Japanese. I, I know, I know. Well, cause you told me about that, right? After I told you the story, which is why I can't, you know, I'm a little bit hurt that you don't remember. So then, then I finally, I, I, I finally remember. said Jesus, but it came out like, <laughs> cause like, I'm telling you, man, it was like someone was pushing on my chest and I couldn't. I couldn't breathe, and I like that was the best I could get out. And as soon as I did that, boom, it was gone, and I could breathe. You again. know, it's funny because, like, you know, yeah, I mean, the Japanese have the kinishibari, which is the crushing spirit, and in different areas of the world, and in you know, don't don't make me have all this weird theology for saying this, but in different parts of the world, the enemy acts a little bit different. My wife when she was in Thailand, had that. And it's a very Asian thing. It happens a lot in Hawaii as well. It's an Asian thing. My dream last night. Dude, I'm telling <laughs> That's true. <laughs> there is a- wow, this is a weird connection, Pete. Go on. <laughs> so so I had this dream last night. Right before the podcast, I decided to share it with Peyton, even though I should have held off and not told him about it. So my wife is very pregnant. She's um, at She's coming up on week 35 on Tuesday. And uh, so, I mean, we're, we're in the final month and I, I had this dream last night. It, first of all, the doctors tell us it's going to be a a girl, right. From the ultrasound. And I'm very uncomfortable having a girl. I'd much rather have another boy. I got a boy right now, three years old. And I'm like, look, boys are like Jeeps. You can get them muddy and get them dinged up. It just adds character to them. Little girls, totally different thing. I'm totally unprepared for this. I don't know what to think about it. So I have this dream last night. That she gives birth, it's a boy, and it's Chinese. <laughs> I had a Chinese boy, and all I could think of, oh, wow, somewhere in our lineage is, you know, Chinese. <laughs> Cause, cause Which says this- a lot about your relationship, that you were like, dang it, Jamie, who, who you know, who is he? You I, know, you're like, to see oh, that thought a, with, geez. Yeah, with- I, have, I have red hair, and I'm like, like the whitest white man walking around. I'm so white, I'm pink, but... Must be in the genes. Did you know I'm that, part you Indian? Have a good relationship. You know I'm part uh, Native American. I do know that. My my tribe sued the government because white man stole our land, and it yeah. went down as far as my generation, like the degree yeah. that I am. And so I actually have an Indian uh, roll number. Oh, I'm sorry, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't issue a roll number. You're 136 <laughs> percent no. um, Native. Um, my dad has the roll number. Uh, they wouldn't issue it to me because I wasn't born when the uh, settlement went through, but they said, because my dad had a roll number, yes, they could trace it back. And here was my degree and my official form that I'm, I don't know. I think it was like one thirty second. You're ethnic. I totally get it, man. I'm sorry. I take that back. <laughs> and I'm offended. Hey, by, I'm one sixteenth native American, like no joke. When I you call me red, one, it, you know, I, I have flashbacks. But at least I look at Pete. At least I look at, come at on. You look at, I don't look I do. at, I don't look at it at all. Dude, my mom seriously looks like she's part Mexican. My um, my great grandfather looks like seriously. If you ever see a picture of him, he literally looks like, hey, put a headdress on me, you know, put put a big uh, Indian headdress, feathers and all on me, and whoa, 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 whoa. That's exactly how he looks. Apparently, that's the way my grandmother was. I barely remember her because she died when I was like in fifth grade or sixth, something like that. So, but apparently, that's she awesome. looked very Indian. That's awesome. Well, after being, no, I can't say that on the podcast, but anyways, back to, uh, back to the, the, the whole supernatural thing. Um, I was going to say, Oh, by the way, I I'm surprised you didn't have a dream with like your baby had my head. Wouldn't that be awesome? Come Actually, out like, my hey, baby hey. had full on a full black hair. I mean, this was a Chinese baby with full black hair. That's so awesome. Because, you know, if your baby, if you actually did have an Asian baby, I'd have to adopt it. I'd be like, oh, I need to have your baby now. Especially <laughs> if it's a boy, because I want a boy. You need a girl, and I need a boy. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think I should go. Send me your baby. I, I don't think I should go where, where my mind is going right now. I, I want to buy your children. I'm totally unprepared for having another kid. I was unprepared for having this last kid. Like, does my wife not understand? I'm not built for, like, human interaction. I'm barely human as it is. Dude, I'll totally adopt it. Just, like, you know, we'll, we'll make a deal. This, oh. is, this is a little bit Blues Brothers and a little bit. I just- know this is off the subject, but I got to bring it up. So you saw my, um, <laughs> I'm sure you saw my comment on Facebook about uh, the guy who's written a couple articles on, like, 
the number one and the the five things that cost uh, uh, the most uh, first time visitors to never want to come back to your church. Did yeah. you see those? Yeah. And of course, what was number one? Oh, the stand and greet. The meet and greet, which I have told you for years, I can't stand the meet and greet. Everyone I, I don't do that. You know that, right? I know I you do don't. That. I know you know, but we do it at our church now because you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. So I know. So this is what happens this morning because I keep tagging Chris Langham in these, right? Because you know he's basically the head guy there at the church, and um, and I want him to know, hey, uh, you know, number one thing most people don't like and don't come back to the church is because you know they don't like the the meet and greet. It's very uh, excuse very uncomfortable. Me, but some some of us here we don't really like this stand up and meet your neighbor <laughs> stuff, um, dude. It was so obvious today, too, because me and Jamie are sitting in the back, and then there's this gal sitting right in front of us, and I've only seen her there one other week, and everyone else is out shaking hands, and three of us are like, yeah, um, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so, Dude, at Refuge Long Beach, I fist bump, man. I'm just saying, you know, well, there's a lot the of hepatitis thing. going around. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, I look, I love the people at our church. But there, you know, there are a lot of people who people like I was looking today since all these articles, there are people who no one will go up to and say hi to. How does that make that person feel when you got like yeah. the most social church ever, except people don't want to go say hi to them. And yeah. it's not because they don't like them. It's because, I mean, we've got a lot of homeless people who come to the church and who knows what's going through someone's mind. I'm not yeah. saying it's Christian or not. I'm just saying, let's face reality here. I mean, you're making people last- uncomfortable. Last time I was at Refuge Long Beach during the service, you know, I I, I wasn't preaching, which is rare for me when I go there. <laughs> so you so, skipped it, and then so I walk I walk outside, you know, I check out Sunday school. I walk outside, I just you know see what's going on, and literally the last time I was at Refuge Long Beach, I helped a homeless guy pull a clothesline from behind a bunch of pallets so he could use it as a fishing pole. Like that's just another day in the life of Refuge Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, um, right before church starts, I go, hey, Chris, I can't wait for the meet and greet time today <laughs> you know, because of those things. <laughs> and his wife, Andrea, is standing right next to him, and she goes, oh, he never goes on Facebook. He hasn't seen those. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so he's never even seen them. And then, so, of course, he makes everyone do the, the meet and greet. And he goes, yeah, I just found out 30 seconds before I stood up here that that's like the number one most uncomfortable thing and. Um, and you know, uh, people don't like it. And he goes, well, maybe that's the, the bad people churches. <laughs> and of course, you know, he yeah. still does it. Good, good on Chris, man. I, I love Chris. Oh, he, he rolled with it, baby. About it. He rolled that's, with you know, it. We were so worried. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. I was worried. Now, you know, you and I had talked about, we were kind of worried. Like Chris might be too white for like a third of our congregation is, is black. And another percentage of them is Hispanic. And, we're like, you know, we're mixed race, and Chris is like really white. He has reddish He's hair. He's really Orange County white, but but he he kind of acts really white. You know what That's I mean? What like I mean. He, He's Orange County white. You're a black man trapped in a white man's body. But and, Chris, and you know, no one accuses man. me of being white. They always say I'm red. Absolutely. <laughs> so we were kind of worried, and I gotta say, Chris just fits into that church, man. I mean, so well, and he's so good, and and so it's funny because. Um, you know, if you guys get a chance and you ever want to hear Chris, go on to um, the guy is a phenomenal teacher. I mean, phenomenal expositor, great Bible teacher. Uh, he does um, two things. One, he does through the word.org. You can check him out on there. He takes every chapter of the Bible, squashes it into eight minutes and just hits it out of the park every time because he does it for youth. So he's real strict about not being boring not being, you know, laborious. I mean, the guy is just good. He's always right on target. But uh, he's a good teacher, so you can check him out. You can stream it live on refugelongbeach.com, and uh, that's about it. I'm, I'm not going to say any more, but I, I love that dude. Yeah, no, so he's great. Hey, go, going back to Time Bandits, which is, you know, <laughs> what I really want to get to on this podcast. Okay. Um, before we get to the main topic, so uh, Time Bandits, what does what I say? Because, you, you know, Short man syndrome, it, 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 it doesn't ever go away. Short man syndrome, it's kind of like something my pastor said today. He was talking about if you've been a cop or in military, and of course, I've been a firefighter, right? Um, a lot of people don't know what a, what a shovel's for on a fire truck, right? 
they're for road traffic accidents and, and, and it's not for gravel, right? Um, you see horrific things. That's nasty, and, by the way. Thanks for. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But you, there's a lot of stuff that I've seen as an RN and as a firefighter that I wish I didn't see and you can't unsee. But I was going to say my, my, my pastor today was, uh, and I say my pastor because I'm, I'm, I'm training church planners out of a church right now. That's kind of my, 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 my new, uh, you know, Papa's new bag for, you know, uh, what I'm doing right now. It's really awesome. But serving with this team of guys that want to plan a church. But anyways, my, my pastor there, he ended up saying that, uh, there's some things you don't, uh, you don't ever, I'm totally blowing this. I shouldn't even be quoting this in the same context. It's so different because he's ex cop and ex military, but, um, it, there are, it's like short man syndrome. You don't ever, uh, get, over it you you just learn to cope with it so i'm still learning to cope with it you made that short statement so my mind has to go back to uh time bandits this is self-therapy now you ready i'm just i'm just doing some little self-therapy now all right right. no matter how much you watch this movie it's awesome because if i'm super short if you don't know this i know this this is important to me i'm five foot seven and a half and when you're as short as i am right that half really matters and uh, there's things you tell yourself, like, oh, the military always uses really little guys for special forces. That makes you feel really good. When Time Bennett's, there's this uh, Napoleon, right? The, the, okay, here's the premise. It's about cherubs who, uh, they basically rebel against God. And they're not fallen, though, okay? They're, they're just cherubs who, uh, they, the way they explain it is, and so they're short. They're short and squatty like little babies, but they're played by little people. And what they do is they steal the map of the universe from God. And they explain it to this little boy in the film. They go, well, no, the creation was a bit of a botched job. We only had seven days. And so he goes, nice. you know, so we, we made some mistakes. Like he goes, you ever heard of, and he quotes some tree. And the little boy goes, no. It's a British film. It's Tolum Monty Python. And uh, they, they go, well, it was 30 foot tall, bright red, and smelled horrible. So he said we were given this map to go back and correct our mistakes. So we can travel through time. Well, they decide they're going to pillage and loot. So they go all through time and they pillage and loot King David. They pillage and loot, uh, you know, um, or sorry, it was Solomon. They pillage and loot uh, Napoleon. And when they get to Napoleon, it's so stinking funny because they they get Napoleon drunk and he immediately sees him and promotes him to generals because they're like the shortest people we've ever seen. And Napoleon was reportedly something like five foot one. So the the whole premise they draw is Napoleon had short man syndrome, and because of that he had to conquer the world. And so he's there and he's he's drunk and he's at the table with all of them. They're wearing their giant, you know, Napoleonic hats, and he's just going off on this ramble, in this half drunken stupor, going, Napoleon uh, Alexander the Great, the five foot one. <laughs> he's just listing all these great world conquerors, saying how short they were. Well, look, and, there's uh, only there's only one thing I can say to that. The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Bruce Wayne, five foot four and a half. <laughs> it's the half that counts. So are we ready to actually get to our topic now that we are really far in? Oh, uh, actually, before we get to the topic. So uh, we're picking up Luke from Children's Church today because today's Sunday. We're recording on Sunday. And uh, Barry's back there, and so is Melissa. And Barry says something to Melissa. And then Melissa, I kid you not, she says to him, suck it up, buttercup. And I look at Barry, and he goes, yeah, everyone's using that term now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you know, okay, so if you guys don't know, Ruben, who we always talk about, who's an apostolic church planner with us, planting, you know, multiple churches right now behind the scenes, he is, um, it's really funny because he he suddenly, about two months ago, decided he was going to start listening to this thing. And he listened and he just started eating it up. He was listening to like his entire shift. And I think he digested all 100 episodes in like, you know, two weeks or something, 10 days. Which, by the way, we don't recommend on any level to consume that much of this podcast. By the end of that time, he decided that, A, Pete was his pastor. (laughs) The first mistake. Yeah, and and B, that, uh, I don't know what he decided on B, but 
he uh it was so funny man oh that we should always do it every day remember we're doing it every oh, day yeah yeah January, that we should always do it every day yeah but uh but the funny thing about ruben is that um this week i was talking to him he calls me out and i go well, i gotta go and he goes okay fine i'll call my real pastor <laughs> Um, I'm just going to assume he met Chris Langham and, and not Pete No, Mitchell. he met you. That's he met sad. You. That's really but sad. But he did say even though you're in gay uh, bicycle films, he still considers you as pastor. You know, the film wasn't gay. I just played a gay guy. I didn't okay. know I was playing a gay guy. I was an extra just for everyone who's listening. I was I'm, an extra. I'm just saying. I'm, I didn't hey, know. Hey. Hey, you make your own decisions. The I'm things saying, we do in college to survive, man. That's all I'm saying. It was a college mistake. I was in college, needed some, money, needed some money, and they said we're hiring for this film. <laughs> you know, that's just like so I many. Young, I needed the money. So many mistakes are made, are made that way. I needed the money, and they said they had a part in a movie. I signed up. <laughs> Please be make make uh, fast forward to it. Take a screenshot of it and post it, please. Dude, you even can't even tell. Only only me and like my wife knew that was me. Otherwise, you just you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. I think only your wife and you have actually watched the movie. <laughs> I guarantee. You know what? I'll I'll pull it up on Netflix on my computer and see if I can take a screenshot of it. Oh, please do. That would be so great. So, oh, and just to, to give Brandon Brooks a shout out, because I know it took him a bit time, a bit of time. This week they announced uh, the title of episode seven of Star Wars, and Did it they? was The Rise of the Force. Uh, and Brandon Brooks put together a little uh, picture that said Star Wars episode seven, The Fall of Pete and Peyton. He did. And I think that's the title of this episode, right? Uh, well, it is now. <laughs> you bet. It is now. How many minutes are we in? 32. Oh, definitely. So for everyone loser, that just loser, chicken schmoozer, we better get started. Let's for go. everyone that just wanted a half hour show, um, that's the half hour. See, that's why yeah. we don't do a half hour show. You would actually get no church planning content. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah. All right. That's so um, here we go on with the uh, topic. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Great, Scott, indeed. So we are, it, this came out of a conversation that Pete and I had and like so many of the podcasts were like, dude, we should just be recording because we're talking about this anyways. So, uh, our topic was really kind of kicked off. I get a lot of emails and I sign up to a lot of things and I always like to know what's going on. So I sign up to webinars and stuff. And Pete and I started talking about you know, that in order to really penetrate a community, in other words, if you plant a church, what you want to see is you want to see people walking to your church plant. You want to like the church I go to in Oceanside this morning, I, I, I pull in and I see all these people walking down the street going to it. It is a neighborhood church. You have a massive parking lot, but there are, excuse me, people in the neighborhood who are actually going to that church. That's what you want to see. You want to see your church as a neighborhood church. And, you know, imagine now if every single neighborhood had a good church in it, right? The amount of people that we could reach. But what we tend to do is, for example, in consumer Christianity, we tend to go to the church where we like the pastor. We tend to go to the church where we like, you know, whatever it is. They have a good youth program. And those things, I'm not saying those things are bad because you might go uh, to a church because there isn't squat in your neighborhood. But, but, but my point is imagine if there was a good church in every single neighborhood. And so what, what we're talking about when we talk about that is community penetration. Like you're actually getting into the community, you're penetrating the community, you're um, influencing the community, you're reaching that community. And so Pete and I were kind of talking, I said, you know, Pete, what I'd like to do is I would like to do a seminar, a webinar, where literally, like, you know, we talk about how to make sure you're not just getting transfer growth when you're church planning. Because often you get transfer growth, and if you don't know how to discourage transfer growth, or you don't, let's put it this way, I think it's very hard to penetrate the community and get transfer growth at the same time. 
I, I don't think that they're easy to do both. And the reason why is that um, if you're just focused on different things. And so a lot of the community um, or a lot of the webinars have to do with, um, you know, pulling a bunch of people in, drawing the crowds, uh, filling the seats with butts on Sundays. And you can go to these things and be like, hey, you know, go to the seminar or, you know, pay this amount of money and you can learn how to get, you know, double your baptisms or double your church attendance. And the reality is if you're going to do that, um, you're probably going to be attracting transfer growth. You're probably going to be attracting consumer Christians. And so I told Pete, I said, what I'd like to do is as a project, launch a mega church. Just do it. Because if you understand what needs to be done to launch a mega church and you understand the mechanics of it, then and we can go over those. We can talk very easily about what the mechanics are of, of building a mega church, save you guys a hundred bucks, um, kind of talk about what you would need to do and what that looks like. But I was telling Pete, we ought to just do an experiment where we just plant one. We just launch a mega church, do the big launch, do all that stuff and get a bunch of transfer growth. And then once we've got it and we can say, right, this is how many people we got just to demonstrate this is really easy. You really don't need the Holy Spirit to do that. You need certain mechanics, certain methodologies, and you can do that. Um, and then at the end of that time, just bust it up, you know, break it into a bunch of little church plants and watch it just shrink down to almost nothing. Because you say to those people, look, we're going to now break up into a bunch of little church plants and we're going to reach the community. What communities are you in? We've, we've taken all your, your, your details. We know where you live and we're going to plant in your area. You would just watch that dwindle to nothing. And, you know, just to kind of illustrate the difference between the two. Yeah, unless, uh, again, you know, I, I keep beating a dead horse here, but unless you did um, what Rick Warren does with his small groups, if you did that as your way to break it up, I don't think you would break it up quite as easily as uh, as you might because I think you would actually awaken a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think oh, it's, most definitely. I, I think most it's really like, exciting to be a church planner. Like once you're – I mean, and I'm not a church planner, right? I go to a church plant that's been around now for – what we're in the third year. So it's not even a church plant anymore, but um, that's exciting. And that, I mean, that's what woke me up as a Christian was all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's not even to say that you're, you're, you're kind of saying, look, you know, uh, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti mega church. I think there is a way to do mega church in a really good way. But I'm talking about the difference between, you know, like you and I were talking, I'm like, man, we ought to just like start doing webinars on how to draw a crowd. If, if that's, if that's what church planners really, really, and of course I was saying that tongue in cheek, because the reason we're in this game is to actually reach the loss. And there's a difference. And I think one of the things that church planners really need to know is it really isn't about drawing a crowd. If you think it's about drawing a crowd, drawing a crowd of lost people, if you can do that, that's what the Holy Spirit did on Pentecost. And you need the Holy Spirit to do that. If you can do that, then hey, more power to you. Because I'm not anti-mega church. I'm anti-drawing a crowd of transfer Christians. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, man. I do. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it's as easy as we like to make it sound. But it's certainly not as hard. Like from a marketing standpoint, I get what to do. I mean, um, one, one of the things that, that I've done a lot of is because I do so much marketing. I mean, that's, that's what for the most part puts uh, bread on my table. I'll listen to these podcasts that are all about marketing for churches. Cause I want to see, do they actually know what they're talking about or don't they? Because, you know, we made the comment a couple episodes ago um, in the land of the blind, the one eyed man is King, right? So you can have someone who says, Oh, I know how to do marketing. And as long as you know, just a little bit more than the next guy, you're the king, right? Because no one knows. And you know just a little bit more than the next guy. And that's the way most marketers are. And that's why marketers have almost as bad a reputation as uh, car salesmen, um, lawyers, stuff like that, because everyone's like, oh, it's just a scam. I mean, it, we're I'm talking about what business owners think. 
every business owner has been approached by every marketing guy on the world and they've hired some of them and almost always they get horrible results. Absolutely. And here's the reality is I, 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 I still, I, I find myself watching the webinars and like I said, over the last year, like I joined all of the church planning ones and there was some great stuff in some of them. Don't get me wrong, but I find often what people are looking for is the silver bullet. They are looking for, um, someone's going to tell me some secret that's going to matter. Now, just just understand for a second here, church planner. If there were a silver bullet secret to getting people saved, God Himself would have told you already, right? You would you would not need uh, to go to this guy's free seminar. However, I don't think though that I don't think that's the point of what those free seminars are. I mean, no, it's almost like not. a tag on. It's almost like, oh, and you know, you're gonna do this for God. It's almost like a tag on. Not always, but I don't think that's that's really what they're selling to. Like, they're selling to people who realize that what they really want is a, a solid paycheck from a church. Yeah, yeah. It's every it's what every business owner wants, right? Oh, basically, I just want to make a good living. That's what they all say. absolutely. And and so my 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 point, like you you kind of made the point here where you're talking about, yeah, but I think if you use Rick Warren's, uh, you know, small group, the difference is one is discipling people, one is drawing a crowd. Sure. Yep. So 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 the reality is, if you watch Jesus in the New Testament, he's not big on drawing crowds. In fact, when he does draw crowds, he discourages them. Um, they say. Uh, Things like you know when the when the um, uh, when he's in the region of the get uh, the the Gadarenes and they're like you know the guy goes Lord I'll follow you and the whole you know Jesus is like no you know go back to your people when the pigs jump off the cliff the woman at the well he basically leaves that whole village converts and he leaves them like you always find Jesus like an apostolic church planner he goes around and he's always turning his back on the crowds. What Jesus is concerned about is discipleship. And so, you know, I found this with me in church planning, that if I'm going to plant a hub, on average, it takes about three years. And then, you know, a few years later, I was thinking, why does it take me so long? You know, it shouldn't be taking me so long. And because Paul, you know, he spent anywhere from three to six months planning his churches. I mean, more, more, more likely four to five months in each, but you know, scholars differ on it. But, uh, but what he was doing is he was leaving people behind to disciple. And so when you want lasting change, you have to disciple people. And there is, it's a slow burn. Drawing a crowd is it's a flash in the pan and it is just a flash in the pan. Um, for example, every church plant, um, that you have the first week, you will have a bigger crowd than the next week. You will have half or less than half the second week. When you do an outreach, you'll have a surge. And this is great. Like, no problem. Do outreaches, you know, uh, have surges, no problem. But understand that crowds are flashes in the pan. What really matters is the discipleship. And so if you want a movement that's going to last, rather than a flash in the pan that you got to keep entertaining. And, and really, they're probably going to go check the next thing out down the road. Um, they're what I call uh, storm chasers. You know, they're tornado chasers. They, they, you know, as soon as the next hippest, hottest thing comes out. We used to call it church they, hopping. Yeah, church hopping. Yeah, they'll be gone. They will be gone. And so you can do that. And you can get those guys for a time. And you can compete with other churches to get their people. Um, you know, uh, some people call it sheep stealing. Other people say, well, you know, we grow greener grass. Um, you know, of course the sheep, we don't steal them. We just grow greener grass. And so the sheep will come wherever the greener grass is. You can grow greener grass wherever you want. But the reality is if you want to start a movement of disciples who make disciples, it is going to be a slow burn and it is going to uh, involve you spending time getting involved with people's lives. And here's how it usually works. It usually works that you disciple your disciple makers. So when Jesus took the 12 aside, um, he turns his back on the crowds, but he focuses on 12 guys. Now, if you look at the impact that those 12 guys had, Acts tells you they turned the world upside down. Those guys mm -hmm. continued to disciple more. 
So when 3,000 people are saved in Jerusalem, the reason the primarily for the first you know number of years is because they've got 3,000 people to disciple. Then church tradition tells us eventually they went out. After they had made disciples following Jesus' model, eventually they go out. But, but you've got to be able to have disciples who themselves make disciples. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And uh, kind of on topic was uh, today's sermon by Chris Langham. And, you know, we're going through uh, Romans, and right now we're in Romans 10 as a church. And um, he brought up a great quote from John Piper. In fact, uh, Jamie and I were talking about it on the way home. And the quote from John Piper is, are you a goer, are you a sender, or are you disobedient? (laughs) Such a great quote. I loved it. Pete, I hear your quote. And I raise you another quote. Oh, my gosh. Okay. What's your quote? Let me answer your quote with another quote. I love it. I can't remember who I was listening to. They said something very similar. They said, there's no such thing as an unsent Christian. So it's a, it's the same deal. It's like, you know, your uh, disciples are, are sin, you know, they're senders, aren't they? They're sent ones. But they also uh, well, they're send a combination. Out, so. Yeah, they're they're going and yeah. they're sending. Yeah, like you're sent out to disciple. But if you reproduce yourself, what are you going to do? You're going to reproduce senders who send out senders. And so that is the idea of how Christianity spreads. Now, in order to do that in a church, you've got to meet with a bunch of people. That's why the importance uh, of the core team development. That's where that comes in. Um, and you need to disciple these people. So you've got to take a church and you've got to completely rewire the DNA of all the people that are sitting with you. Because what a lot of people don't realize is we all make disciples. So when you're sitting around, think think yourself when you became a Christian, right? You got saved and you were super excited about Jesus. You're like, man, let's do it. You know, I'm saved and you're all excited and you're looking around the room and you're worshiping and you're thinking, man, I can't believe I get to sing to Jesus. And then you're hearing the word and you're just drinking it in. And then someone prays and you're like expecting a miracle right then and there. And then you look around and you're like, why am I the only person who's excited? And after a while, someone takes you aside and says, hey, 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 you know, tone it down a bit. That's not how it works. Where people say, you know, don't get too carried away. And people start tamping you down. They start tamping your fire. I remember when I was a, a firefighter, we used to have this um, tool that was like a, a giant for forest fires. And it was a giant pole with a piece of um, rubber, like a like tire material on it. And you would just flap that thing down on, on little brush fires. And we just, we didn't have fire hoses. It couldn't reach up far. So we'd, we'd all bunch of team of us line up and just tamp, tamp, tamp. And we'd be smacking those things down. And at some point, someone handed you one of those. And you became that guy that tamps other people down. Imagine, <coughs> excuse me, I'm fighting with my throat here. And you hear me wheezing a bit. But uh, imagine that, you know, if, if no one was tamping us down, right? Because at, at a certain point, what happened is someone made you into their disciple. We all make disciples. Mm. Doesn't matter if you're a lukewarm Christian, an on fire Christian, or a backslidden Christian. You make disciples just by being a Christian. So if I'm in a room with a bunch of lukewarm disciples, guess what's going to happen? They're going to disciple me into being lukewarm. So what I, what I tell people often is, look, everybody makes disciples. We're called to go make disciples, but everybody is making disciples. And you are having an effect on the new believer or even the Christian next to you. Imagine that now when it's reverse. You go into a home study and <clears throat> you got a guy in there who's just filled with the Holy Spirit. So like last mm-hmm. Sunday, there's this couple, um, Jeff and Laura, and they're awesome. They're always serving. They're always behind the scenes serving. And they're just neat people. Like you talk to them and they, they've seen a bit of life. You know, they've, they've got a relative who's a lesbian and they're like, hey, you know, uh, we've learned, you know, just to love on them. And, you know, they've, they've, they, you know, they love Jesus, but they, they kind of get like how to approach people with Jesus and how to live it and how to talk about it. 
And I came up to him last week because he, you know, they're just spirit-filled people. And I looked at him and said, look, is there is there something else that you, is there a passion you have, something that's always been on your heart that you've always wanted to do? And without missing a beat, Jeff looked at me and said, Peyton, right now my passion is Jesus. And he started tearing up. And he goes, just to know him, just to know him as much as I can. That's my passion. And that's all consuming to me right now. And I just, <clears throat> man, I cannot believe my throat right now. I just, you know, I came away like I was stunned. Like I first I thanked him because I had just been going through that. And I'm like, dude, I can't even tell you how awesome that is to hear you say that. But it's that same kind of thing. Now, imagine popping Jeff in a group of people who are like, they've just lost their first love. They've fallen out of their first love with Jesus. And there's Jeff, and he's talking about, you know, man, right now, just I want every part like this because he wrote me in the week afterwards. And he just said, Peyton, I, I want every part of me to be crucified with Christ that the spirit might live through me. Imagine sitting in a room, putting Jeff in a room with lukewarm Christians, and he's talking like that. And, of course, he has been in our small group. This guy's getting on fire. The more he's on mission, the more he's in small groups, the more on fire he's getting. This has been a new thing for him. It's been in the last, like, probably three or four months for him. Well, <laughs> this was the – I mean, Jamie and I had this conversation as we were leaving church because I go, so what are we? Are we goers or senders? And that's like – my way of just starting the conversation because <clears throat> I hate living in Southern California. I know it's always sunny here and everyone else that listens to this podcast and the rest of the world's like, oh, you guys have perfect weather. Like it's been high 80s the last few days and I'm miserable. I'm a redhead. Yeah. I don't like the sun. No. Like this morning we had overcast and it was 68. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Some freaking fog. I love it. Protection. <laughs> Pretty much. So, you know, I'm like, hey, are we senders or goers? Please, please be goers. Please be goers. <laughs> Don't care where we go. Just not here. <laughs> Don't want to stay here. And, you know, of course, I know the answer to that. She's like, well, you know. So my wife is um, an ice skating coach. And she's worked at ice skating rinks pretty much her whole life. And ice skating rinks are, um, they're, they're not, uh, for the most part, they're not good places. Yeah. Like it's what you would think, right? I mean, uh, a lot of the the male coaches uh, are homosexual, probably in the the high eighty percentile um, uh, of all the the men at an ice skating rink. At least all the ones my wife has worked at. In fact, they just had a coach that just got uh, sentenced to ninety eight years in jail for uh, child molestation. And um, I mean, it's just it's a very dark place. And so, you know, my wife has always said. You know, I always feel like that's my mission field. Like I, yeah. I, I work with all these other coaches and even the good coaches, it's morally good, right? You know, it's right. it's not good because they're saved. It's just, you know, we're we're trying to be moral people. And so she brings up that there's this other coach there that's a Christian. And this gal um is the type of Christian that will like leave pamphlets everywhere she goes, you know, the the tracks, you know, almost like four spiritual laws type things. Yeah, and you know the person, right? Because it's the kind of person that you would expect to see on, a, you know, a street corner with the sign. Um, I remember going to a, a Calvary retreat, and I'm sitting out in front of a store um, on the way up to the the mountains, and you know, this dude comes walking by, and he's handing everyone a track, and he hands me a track. You know that that type of person. Well, all the other coaches don't like this person because you know she won't talk to anyone, but she'll leave these tracks everywhere. And so Jamie and I were having this conversation. I go, well, you know, here's the thing, though. She's doing more than what most people are doing. <laughs> so I'm certainly not going to knock the lady for leaving tracks because I don't leave tracks anywhere and I don't talk to anyone. So I like the way she's doing it better than the way I'm not doing it. Right. So that's the first thing. I, I'm, and the other thing is, I think a lot of times, too, you and I have had this conversation. We like to think that we're the ones that are bringing God. Right. Like, we're going into this community. We're going to start this church plant. We're going to really love on these people, and we're going to bring all this and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we, 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 us, 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 me, me, me. And the reality is God's doing it, right? God goes before us. And we think that we're doing all this great stuff, but God's going before us, and he's doing stuff. And God can use, like, the person who leaves the track on on the seat 
And so I don't knock that person for doing that. I'm just excited that they're actually doing something because most Christians won't even do that. It's absolutely it's cultural Christianity. We're Christians because we're Americans or we're Republican. And we're like in Orange County. You see this a lot. We go to church because that's what people do on Sundays. And you see a lot of that, too, in the Bible Belt. It's not that it's like, you know, like your your friend who's got the passion for Jesus. It's, it's not that. Though it yeah. can become that. It can move into that. It can um, turn into that. But really, for me, that took hanging out with you. That took getting involved with the church plant. And that took, like, actually seeing a church do some crazy stuff that I knew and recognized as, well, this is Christianity. Yeah. And, um, and that's what, I mean, that's what woke it, woke me up was yeah. seeing it in action and realize mm-hmm. and knowing that that's what Christianity was supposed to be about. It's not sitting on a pew on Sunday and, and I, oh, dude, this happened today. Right. So, um, so then after the whole thing with, uh, uh, you know, the meet and greet being the number one thing that causes, uh, you know, first time visitors to not come back. Then Chris makes a joke and he goes, well, I'm about ready to do probably the second thing because we got to take offering. <laughs> <Right>? so, <laughs> and so I, I just yell from the back of the room because that's, you know, that's how I roll. I'm in the back. It's how our church rolls. Right. I go, uh, that didn't even make the list, man. You're good. It didn't even make the list. Yeah. I see a homeless dude, three seats in front of me. I see this because I'm behind him. He puts a buck into the, the offering and I'm like, yeah, dude, just gave more than me. Yeah, well that that I was the whole point of the widow's might. Yeah, ex- I, that was totally the thought I had. I'm like, dude, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Yeah. He just gave more than me. Well, here here's the the funny thing is I was I was in two minds about that with refuge in Long Beach. By the way, if you if you never you know some of those of you guys listening, it's not all homeless people. Refuge in Long Beach. We we have no. I have a home. We. we <laughs> We are careful at Refuge Long Beach to just see people as people. Yeah. So we don't feed the homeless. That could be an easy mistake that people make. Oh, you feed the homeless on site. No, we eat together as a community. And that is a key difference. The homeless people are a part of our church. We have watched two people get off the streets in the last couple of years and get jobs. Um, We've got guys who were formerly homeless. I mean, we, we actually have four people in our church who used to be homeless. And so, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, and, and I'm not talking like homeless, like I spent a week in my car. I mean, homeless for years. And we, um, we kind of early on just said, you know, this isn't like, it's not like we're running a charity. We just want to be the place where you're just a person here. And that's how it's worked, you know? And so, all that to say, um, you know, with uh, with with Refuge Long Beach, I was kind of like, hey, I don't even know if I want to take an offering because there are some down and outers here, and also we're in a bad neighborhood, and just being in the in in that neighborhood, I mean, these people don't have a lot of money, and someone checked me on that and said, Peyton, are you going to rob them of one of the greatest joys that a Christian has and giving to the work of God? That's part of their spiritual development. Like you're actually robbing them. You think yeah. you're robbing them by taking money. You're robbing them by not giving them the opportunity. And, and, and that's fair enough. We never hide pressure. And that was true. So that person, that homeless person was like, boom. But again, that all comes back down to discipleship at the end of the day. We're talking about discipleship. And, you know, like I said, if, if you want to think about it, right, <clears throat> evangelism. We think of crowds as like, I don't know, it's just something in America. And it's not like this in Europe, by the way. Europe, um, they don't think like we do about big numbers. This is an American thing. Bigger is better. No other part of the world has the monster trucks we have. No one else has like these big dualies and nobody nobody has that stuff. Everything's compact. Hey, let, let's, can, let, let's delete the monster trucks and go on with the rest of your story. <laughs> You're in charge of the edit button, my friend. But but here's the thing, you know, nobody has. I just mean like, you know, to America, it's like bigger portions, bigger cars, bigger, bigger everything. And the bigger house in Britain, they don't think like that. In Europe, they don't think like that. In the other parts of the developed Western world, 
They just don't have our mentality. So crowds aren't as big of a deal to them. Um, and, and so when it, when it comes down to um, like evangelism, we are really impressed if we can fill a stadium with people and share the gospel to as many people as, as within 20, 25, 30 minutes with as many people as possible. Um, just as effective, if, if you canvas almost every single person you know at church, I guarantee you they will have been led to Christ really by someone they knew. Even if they went to church and quote unquote gave their heart to the Lord on a Sunday, the reality is they were talking to a friend for a long time. Like Paul says, one sows, another waters, and finally someone reaps. They may be three different people, but most of the work, as you know, the sowing and the watering is is the long haul, right? It's 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 the work that goes on. The reaping is a one-time instant deal. But we put so much emphasis on the reaping. So we get this distorted version that it's about getting butts and seats. It's about getting crowds. And I guarantee you, big launches in church planning tend to get transfer growth. Nobody sitting down at the bar gets a letterbox drop through their uh, door and then goes to the bar, sits down on the bar stool and says, hey, did you hear about you know this new church that has modern worship down the road? They're playing electric guitar there. And the guy doesn't sit there and go, no. Get out of here. You know what? We should go next Sunday. That's not how it works. The reality is I was I was at a gamer convention the other night. You went to it. I did, dude. I'm a nerd. Thanks for inviting. So, what's that? Thanks for inviting. I invited you, but you didn't seem interested. So I was like, all right. So here's the deal. So <laughs> I would have gone to just the, to hang out with you. I know, Come dude. On, it, was, man. it was actually pretty cool. It was actually pretty cool. So I go to this thing. And um, me and me and another guy were there that I like better than you, Pete. Oh. He was, uh, I'm teasing. But here's the deal. I, I was just going to tell you I moved you up to number five on my favorites list on my phone, but I'm moving you back to six now. <laughs> I was as high as six. That's awesome. So this guy, you know, uh, there were a bunch of them. I must have seen like 20 people. And it turned out they were a cult. I went over and talked to them and stuff. But they had these uh, poles with signs on them that um, lit up, the sign lit up and said, get right with God. And on the other side, it repent. And then even the guy who's kicking off the concert mentioned, hey, drink a bunch of beer and rock out tonight. And uh, then you can repent or do whatever those guys out there are telling you to do. And everyone laughed. Well, while I was in line, um, I, I kept hearing people talk about it. Like it, it generated discussion. And the, the reality is you would think, oh, yeah, man, no, that's cool. It's got them talking about Jesus. They weren't talking about Jesus. They weren't thinking about Jesus. They weren't thinking about God. What they were thinking about was these boneheads. Like, And I'm not saying that I think those guys are boneheads. They're in a cult. Um, but, but they were just kind of like, you don't know anything about me. And the other thing was, they uh, all they kept talking about was gay stuff, like you know, if I were gay, I'd just totally go and make out in front of. Like that's not the way to share the gospel. The way to share the gospel isn't to go out there and stand out there with a the sign. And trust me, it takes a lot for me to knock anybody who's doing anything. I admire the effort. I admire the the diligence. Cult or no cult, even if someone's making you go out there, even the J Dubs and the Mormons, man, I I admire the fact that. Hey, even if you're letting someone manipulate and control you, somewhere, somewhere inside of you is it has to be a little bit of compassion to actually go along with it. So I never knock people for sharing the gospel. But what it stood out to me was that whole thing about the numbers game. If I can reach this many people with a sign and have my sign up high and lit up, then I could hit maybe 500 people, maybe a thousand people at a time would see the sign. But it's not effective evangelism. And so most evangelism comes through relationship. And so that's what I'm saying is if you're talking about penetrating a community, guys, like I said, if there was some silver bullet to actually transforming a community, it, it wouldn't come through numbers. It would come through discipleship. Even if you have the big launch and a thousand people get saved, I used to have church planners ask me, why is it people, a bunch of people got saved at the beginning, like at Pentecost, right? And now, you know, we're in a season where no one's really getting saved. I remember going through that same thing as a church planner. And I remember telling them, because now you've got to disciple them. 
because mm-hmm. now you've got to reproduce yourself because the Lord is not done saving people, but you'll see it go up and down. There'll be peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs. There'll be high times of evangelism and then there'll be reaping. And then there'll be times where you just can't handle anymore. And the Holy Spirit will just say, right, that's enough. Look after the ones you got, train them up, disciple them, and then we'll go again. Because then you send those ones out. And that's the deal. That's how it works. And so when we talk about penetrating a community, guys, be wary of the marketing schemes. Be careful of thinking, oh, man, if I go to this seminar and go to webinars, go to seminars, listen to that stuff. Um, You know, I think webinars are great. Pete and I do webinars. But just be careful of believing that there's going to be some silver bullet. Like I said, Jesus would have told you. And in fact, he did tell you. If you look at his model and you look at Paul's model, they poured themselves into people. They reproduced themselves into people and they made disciples. And of course, they were both extremely evangelistic in their personal lives, which we talked about a few weeks ago. You have to be evangelistic. You yourself need to share the gospel with people, and you need to talk about that because it's part of reproducing yourself. But um, at the end of the day, guys, um, you need to be, in order to really reach a community, you have to reproduce yourself. You have to, like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ Jesus. You have to live that life. You have to share that life with other people, and that will catch fire. And that is the silver bullet. You can attract a crowd. But your crowd might just stay, like so many megachurches, just a bunch of ineffective, anemic, spiritually weak, spiritually hungry, uh, church-going Christians. And that's about it. Hmm. And that's not going to reproduce, and that is not going to change the world. Cool, man. I dig it. Well, that's all I have to say about that, as Forrest Gump said. So, hey, guys, thanks for joining us today and uh, listening to our rant. And uh, be sure to go out and rent Time Bandits. (laughs) You will not regret it. Hey, this has been the Church Planner Podcast, reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music